Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey everyone, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And today we're going to be talking about boyhood. On this mini-sode. On this mini-sode, night three, boyhood. So everyone, this this podcast episode has been, we've been working on it for over 12 years. We yeah. started in 2007. And now here we are today to finally finish it. Wow. Um, this is such a great time to be here. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I didn't think that we were going to get to the end of this podcast episode, but luckily the Hunger Games did really, really well, and our studio chose to keep financing us. All right. So right now, uh, in the year 2007, I am about to be in eighth... Ooh, this is so a sad year. <laughs> okay, I'm about to enter. I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> I am a... Uh, Junior in college. <laughs> Five years of this movie's done. Filming. <laughs> do you think... Do you think, like, if people, like, listen to this that don't know us... They would Like, they just figured out, like, the age difference. Uh-huh. Do you think they ever would have been like, wait, what? He's the older one? What? What, what's happening? I am also a child Hotel Transylvania, the Macarena. Yeah, but like, that's a really adult childhood thing. Is okay? that, is <laughs> Why is that the animated series that I'm like, no, this is the good one? Yeah, how is that not your pick of the decade? <laughs> Josh, can I just put it on there 12 times? <laughs> I didn't say yes. You said, okay. you said... It could really help its odds, was, <laughs> was your answer, which was a infer inferred yes. Yeah, there you go. I didn't say yes. I didn't say no. All right. Boyhood. Richard Linklater's 20... That's movie's boring. What? No, hey, wait, wait, whoa. Whoa. What are you doing with your hot takes here on 2014's Boyhood? I don't know, Josh. It's boring. What? No, boring hood. <laughs> L.R. Coltrane is a emotive actor. All right, boyhood is boring. <laughs> is where you're starting out with this. All right, uh, before we get there, why? Why do you think boyhood makes this list? Oh, not only makes this list, I think it's like two. It is two. Because Richard Linklater made a film over 12 years and so we all had to give a crap. Great. <laughs> How, where's the lie? Um, I mean, if it was bad, we wouldn't have given a crap. We would have been like, oh! Okay. I think I that, here's what I think it is. I think that this film works as a time capsule for a time in American society where we were not ready to process and deal with things and this film is capturing that mm -hmm. and it's just showing how the change of politics from the point of view of this boy and we're seeing how this boy's life is happening and we see all of the events through him. Yeah, I agree with all that. If the experiment didn't work, mm -hmm. I think it would be something like A Scanner Darkly, which like cool, um, or even Gemini Man, like, oh, c c cool, mm -hmm. you know? But I think that what is nice about this and why I think it's so representative on this list and so high on this list is that 
the experiment of telling a story over the course of 12 years and allowing this boy, played by L.R. Coltrane, okay. to age in front of us matches the story that he's trying to tell. He's matching medium, technology, and narrative to create a piece that is... I, I, I actually like the fact that it's a time capsule of the era that it's trying to show. You know, it's, it's a time capsule of... Texas, like it's very specifically a Texas film, mm-hmm. um, but it, it does allow you to go back and re-immerse yourself in where you were in two thousand two to twenty fourteen. You know, and I think that 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 there's a lot of value in that as well. I do find it interesting that for a film that only encapsulates five years, 10, 11, 12, 13, five years of this decade, it still has a really big influence. But I think it it shows in a lot of ways the first part of the decade. Because as I was looking through this, this, um, this decade of films, I think there's a really clear delineation of the first half of the decade and the second half of the decade. And I'm not sure that it splits completely along the barrier lines of like 2010 to 2015. I feel like it's it's election. It's like it's there's pre-Trump and there's post-Trump. Um, and that's how it, the decade really kind of splits into two halves. And Boyhood represents the first half really well. Mm-hmm. We're kind of moving along. We're dealing with repercussions from 9-11. We're allowed to be a little more introspective about life. We're not as uh, attacking and abrasive towards other people and their ideas. We are allowing ourselves to have a conversation about our world without it being too, without it being like two people butting heads. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lyrical part of the lyrical nature of boyhood. I think that it also... I think that what's actually most fascinating about boyhood is not uh, Alan Coltrane's character of Mason. Jr. Agreed. Uh, it's actually... I find that um, Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke are... F- their journeys in this film are a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we only get it from the perspective of their son that Ethan Hawke is like this, like, at first, like, this really high-energy fun guy and then like as it goes on like he becomes a little bit more like grounded to the point where at the end he sold his like very nice expensive car and he now has a mm-hmm. minivan and another child and yeah. and Patricia Arquette um, has essentially just over and over tried to find her purpose or joy or whatnot in the fil- in the world and she has struggled and failed repeatedly yeah you had mentioned and i thought this was a really good point to kind of back up what you were saying that uh mason jr the elder coltrane character feels like an observer Mm -hmm. of this world and it's not really until we get to the end where he gets to voice any of his own opinions and i think that's really true i think that's what allows those characters to flourish so much and and we see the effects of adulthood on them you know, um, if there is a character that gets, I think, a little short shrifted, it's his sister, um, played by um, Rebecca Linklater, Richard Linklater's daughter. Uh, the character's name is Samantha. I think she gets a little short shrifted, and again, that's because of the, that we're on the point of view of 
Mason Jr. of the of Eller Coltrane's character, um, and she's not seen as the most sympathetic character in all the world. Um, whereas if we were just talking about Lady Bird, and I think these two films have are in conversation with each other in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but that relationship between um, Laurie Metcalf and Saoirse Ronan. Um, is more layered and nuanced, where we see this relationship between Sam and um, Patricia Arquette's character is not as layered and nuanced. She's not as forgiving to her mother, nor is her mother as forgiving to her. Um, It is kind of... She is... The Samantha character almost just serves as an antagonist to the mom. You know, she's just going to pick at her and point out all of her flaws and never have any sympathy for her. Which I think can be an honest character choice. I think there are kids that are like that who can't forgive their parents for the choices that they make in their relationships and how that affects the kids. But I'm not sure if it's the most sympathetic portrayal of a character. Yeah, it's also like it's with everything that the mother does the daughter just reacts like that while in real life you know yeah you might not always have that one single attitude you may fluctuate yeah. as a human yeah absolutely she seems to get more and more as weirdly enough as the rest of the characters become more complex she seems to become more one note mm-hmm. to the point where even when we're at uh, Mason Jr.'s graduation and her speech is just like, good luck. Good luck. And that's all she can muster, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the length of this film. It's two hours and 45 minutes. Um, I think we have a slight disagreement on whether it needs to be that long or not. You say yeah, because we gotta get through the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I say yes only because I think that in order to tell this specific story about time passage, mm-hmm. we need to spend time with these characters and we need to spend non-plot driven time with the characters and I think that helps us feel that the world itself is a complete picture no that's boring (laughs) what uh is there something that needs to be trimmed yeah this whole attitude (laughs) (laughs) your attitude needs to be trimmed I always like it's always the same point where I'm just like this film is too long and it's when he's in a garage with a bunch of boys and they're throwing like nunchucks at at a wall and I'm always like alright it's Sobways right and I'm like it's about time for this film to be wrapping up isn't it and And there's still over an hour yeah um I also think that I think that when he's a child, the pace moves a lot faster, agreed, and more engaging than when he's a like preteen to teenager. Around that age, he just like he's so boring. Yeah. Um, but when he's a child, and maybe that's because like the things that are happening around him are more interesting. Like the sequence that I think really has the most life is when the mom is living with her second husband and like that that section always seems like it goes on a lot faster and smoother than a lot of this other 
the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, like, after, once she leaves that husband, um, after that, it just, like, it really starts to slow down. And trying to figure out Mason as a character is very difficult to do because he's so internalizing. Mm-hmm. And I th- he kind of speaks in riddles as well. Yeah, like when he talks, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, it's... It's real <laughs> Timothy Chalamet and Lady Bird. Uh, yeah, and then like, I think that it's interesting because we were talking about Linklater and how he makes artists in a lot of his films and like, you brought up Boyhood and I was like, yeah, he takes photos. However, I don't understand his relationship in like with photography. Why does photography matter to this character specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, where like I guess the answer is because he's an observer and that's yes. what photography can do is it can observe. But like I wish there was more with his photography because like he just seems bored by the whole idea of being alive. I agree with you, and I think I actually enjoy those character choices in a weird way. So the film slows down in its last hour. We okay. spend a lot of time with him as a teenager or as... In, in what would be considered the, like, teen coming-of-age section of this movie. Um, I don't think Mason Jr., when we end this movie... I, he's not going to go off in his life and be a photographer. That's not what he's going to do. I don't think photography is his be-all, end-all passion. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see that in a way in the uh, darkroom scene with the photography teacher, who he's like trying to push him to be excited to do something, and he's just like, well, I just kind of want to skate by, and I just want to get by and, and do whatever it is that I can do to get by. And I think that's the type of kid that he is in this moment. I think if we did Boyhood 2... We would find that Mason would be a completely different person than down the line. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, and this I think is very intentional. We know if Mason knows who he wants to be. Photography seems to be a means to an end, and that end is to get out of his family situation. Not that I think that his family situation in his brain is even the worst. It's just it's that can be typical teenage drive of I need to get away from my family. I want to get away from my hometown. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's, I think, why the photography metaphor can maybe seem a little unsatisfying or unfulfilling. Though I do think it is intentional. Um, yeah, I... The film almost feels like it, it is does have two halves, and that scene is a really good breaking point. The scene where they're they're being a bunch of jerkbags in a in a abandoned house, mm-hmm. um, because before we are th- that's almost the plotty section of the movie. Like we're understanding who uh, Patricia Arquette is and how she relates to men in her life. We're understanding who his sister is and how she relates to him, his mom, and her da- and their dad. Ethan Hawke's most of his character growth is in that section there. Um, when we see him again in the back half of the film, he's transformed into this other person that he will be. Um, the two halves of the films almost feel completely different from each other. Much in that same way of like, 
for a more crude representation, I think you get with like Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2. You know, same story, different feels. And I, I think this is just mashed together here. Um, some of my favorite scenes are in the back half of the movie, though. I think that Ethan Hawke really comes into his own. Like, this is where his, like, performance solidifies as not just some sort of, like, screw-up person to somebody who is caring about his kids and realizing that he gets a second chance to do it right and that not a lot of people get a second chance to do it right and i appreciate that his family is supportive of, of that you know mm -hmm. yeah it's like a it's like an aged wine nah. <laughs> you know it does not age like a fine wine on coltrane his mustache samantha samantha <laughs> yeah um I like this movie. I don't know how often I would sit down to watch the whole thing. Um, I watched this film like three times in theaters. Yeah. And then I did not again until now. <laughs> and now here I am. Were you excited to watch Boyhood again? No. No. <laughs> You're like, I know what this is about. I know what happens. It's seen Nothing. It. <laughs> uh, in a weird way, I think that these are Linklater's favorite films to make. Um, because... His weird films? His films where nothing happens, where oh. he's just exploring characters and relationships. Because if you notice, to me, the Linklater films that get held up as, like, his great films are the Before Trilogy, Boyhood, and Dazed and Confused. Whoa, whoa, whoa. School, School of, of Rock. Rock. Yes. Um... <laughs> School of Rock aside, good movie. Really good movie. Uh -huh. Those other films are just about people living a day or living a life or, you know, they're just about exploring what human relationship is. Or even Slacker, his first film, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we did this a little bit with um, Paul Thomas. Sorry, go ahead. His his first feature film is It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books. Well, Slacker is the one that, like, is, like... His breakout? I guess. I don't... The, the one you mentioned, I'm not sure how much of a distribution it ever really got, but yeah. I mean, that's fair. I'm on Wikipedia, and it says, The first feature film by Richard Linklater. Yeah. It features little dialogue. Uh, Slacker is considered to be his first, like, feature-length film that, like... Uh, that's his debut film, but... It matters. Yes. Um, hey, while you're there, give me the decade in Richard Linklater. Um, he actually has a lot. Bernie. Mm -hmm. Before Midnight. Boyhood. Everybody... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, Boyhood. Everybody wants some... Okay. Last Flag Flying. Mm -hmm. And where'd you go, Bernadette? All right. So, we have one, two, three, four, five, six films. He is just pumping them out this decade. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Linklater, I think, is a good person to be represented in the in this decade. Um, how many of those did you see? Three. Three. Which three? Boy, uh, boyhood. Mm -hmm. I. Uh, everybody wants some. Mm -hmm. And last flag flying. All right. I I got them all. 
I think kind of unintentionally, but I got them all. I think you did it on purpose. I mean, I like Linklater, so I, I would I know you see... do. Yeah, so... <laughs> Josh, yeah. I know you like Richard Linklater. You're always up to bat for him, and I'm like, eh. Uh, man, this is actually a really solid... Interestingly enough, Bernie Before Midnight Boyhood Everybody Wants Some I think is a really solid foursome of films just right in a row. Uh, Last Flag and Bernadette are definitely drop-offs, but yeah, it's a good decade. Um, Out of the ones that you have seen, is um, Boyhood your favorite link theater of the decade? Absolutely not. Yeah? It's Everybody Wants Some. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Why? But that movie's good and not boring. <laughs> I mean, it's a similar type film of like we don't really do a lot. We just kind of hang out with these kids. Yeah, I know, but those people are more interesting. Ah, okay, great. You mean they have personality, emotions, <laughs> acting skills? You you are correct in that. that thing, yes, everybody wants some is a more fun film to watch for certain. Yeah, it's probably not as meaningful as Boyhood is, but like, if you're like Kylie, let's sit down and watch a film. Everybody wants some is not two hours and forty five minutes. I would, I Boyhood is is interesting and really good. I think that if I'm picking a film to represent Linklater in the decade or represent the decade, I do pick Boyhood. However, I think it probably ends up like three in my rank behind, maybe not three, maybe, it's so close. I'm going to rank them for you, Josh. Oh, okay. Your favorite is Before Midnight. Ooh, maybe. Your second favorite is Bernie. Yeah. Then Everybody Wants Some. Uh-huh. Then Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Then, now here's the issue. I have no idea what your thoughts on Last Flag Flying are. Okay. Boring film. Um... But I also think you find Where'd You Go, Bernadette to be bonkers and boring also. Yeah. That is correct. On those last two films, they are boring. He kind of loses his way in a, a bit. So I'm going to go with The Last Flag Flying because I know, because someone brings someone brings it in that film. One person brings it in that film. Who brings it? Fishburne. Oh, yes. Okay. Fishburne's <laughs> dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then Where'd Bernadette. You Go, Bernadette. Yeah. Um, I think that's close. I think everybody wants some, and... Boyhood could go back and forth. Could go back and forth a little bit. Depending on the day. Yeah, but I think that's true. All right, Kylie. Uh, we can't play What Beats It at the Oscar, because it wins the Oscar. No, it doesn't. It doesn't win all the Oscars. It wins some. Well, yeah. Tell me how it does. No. No, it doesn't win any of the Oscars. It wins one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know for a fact it wins one. All right. It is nom- Boyhood is nominated for six Oscars. Six Oscars, and it wins at least one. Its win is Patricia Arquette in supporting actress. Uh, it loses to Birdman in Best Picture. <coughs> yes, which means Linklater loses to Inuratu for director. Um, yes, and I'm assuming that he loses in screenplay as well to Birdman. Okay, is that all correct? Yes. Okay, and then um, I need mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor. For Ethan Hawke, which is a loss, but it's not to Edward Norton in Birdman, though he is nominated. Okay. Who? Okay, what year are we in? We're in 2014? Uh-huh. Okay. 2014. We haven't really done a lot of this year yet. 
Is this no? Okay, I may need some some hints here. Huh? I may need some hints for the uh, supporting actor. Yeah. Why, Josh? <laughs> Why, Josh? This is my favorite performance of this year. Okay. It is a performance that I just really inspires me as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. This character is terrifying. Oh, okay. It's a villain. It's a villain. It's an antagonist, but he's a villain. Okay. It's a film about an artist. Whiplash? Yeah. Oh, J.K. Simmons with Whiplash. Okay. Okay. Great. Perfect. Okay. Good performance. All right. I may give it to Ethan Hawke, but good performance, J.K. Yeah, JK's only doing one thing. Yeah. Um, now the last one. What's the last Oscar it's nominated for? Cinematography? No. Editing. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you could read me all five nominations and it would still just be a guess. Alright, give me give me the nominations. Josh, no, this one's obvious. For editing? Yes! I don't know actually. I this would have been what I picked. Okay, give me, give me. I'm, I'm going to give you all five nominations, okay? okay? okay. Um, it goes in alphabetical order, right? So yeah. I got to make sure I put this in alphabetical order. American Sniper, uh-huh. Boyhood, uh-huh. Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, and Whiplash. It's Grand Budapest. No. No? What? Are you crazy? Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest is the movie that wins the most number of Oscars this year. So? Because it, but it wins a bunch of technicals. So that's why I thought that. So? That's not, that editing's not the best, Josh. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it Whiplash? Yeah. Okay, great. Did you remember that editing? We gotta edit together all those, all those music, all those songs. What do you mean? We gotta edit together all the whip pans in Grand Budapest. Come, Zero. All right, everyone. This has been my thoughts. I'm sorry for yelling at Josh. I didn't mean to. I was angry. It's Okay. Not the first or last time I will be yelled at by you. I'm gonna stop yelling. No, it's okay. It means that there's emotion there, and you're not a real Eller Coltrane about the situation. I have no emotion. No, don't be Eller Coltrane. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Hey, blue. That helps us get more listeners. You can find us on Letterboxd at... D- uh, Josh Darby and Kylie Gallagher. Twitter. D- D- DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblr. Ducks Watch Together. Thank you.